You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit bpn.fm to discover more. Welcome to another episode of Half Hour with Jeff and Rich, the podcast where we discuss, dissect, and dive into the world of performing arts. This week, we're here to talk about a holiday classic that has become a quintessential New York City. George Balanchine's The Nutcracker, performed at Lincoln Center's New York City Ballet. So get cozy, grab some hot cocoa, and prepare to be whisked away to a world of magic and music. I'm Richie, a theater director and producer. And I'm Jeff, a music industry producer and manager. Let's journey into the land of the Nutcracker. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Half hour. Welcome to the show, everyone. As always, we want to give you our listeners a heads up. There'll be some spoilers in our discussion about the show today. So if you're planning to see the Nutcracker in New York City or anywhere, uh, and you want to keep that magic a surprise, feel free to see the ballet first and then come back to us. We are talking about something that is quite old. So I think most people may <laughs> know the plot and what generally happens here in the Nutcracker. But you know what? When you never know. This, you never know because there was something that happened in this, Jeff, that you didn't know happened. When we actually Very true. So we'll talk about so, that later. So stay till the end because we're going to talk right. about it then. At the end, right. <laughs> uh, we're diving today into George Balanchine's The Nutcracker, a holiday spectacle that features Tchaikovsky's immortal score, a cast of 150 characters, sensational sets and costumes. The entire company includes 90 dancers, 62 musicians, 40 stagehands, and more than 125 children from the School of American Ballet coming together to bring this magical performance to life. The Nutcracker is based on Alexandre Dumas's version of E.T.A. Hoffman's tale, The Nutcracker and the Mouse King. And I wanted to just give our listeners just a little bit of a backstory on this. Um, Tchaikovsky is a famous Russian composer, uh, wrote a trilogy of, of pieces, actually. In 1872, he wrote Swan Lake, which is very famous. In 1890, he wrote Sleeping Beauty. And then in 1891, Nutcracker. The late 1800s was his trilogy. The Nutcracker rounded out the trilogy. It did premiere in 1892 then, and then it didn't come to have its large premiere here at the New York City Ballet until 1954. And actually in February 2nd, 1954, was the New York City premiere with George Balanchine bringing it. It was New York City Ballet's first full-length ballet. And since then, it's been every year, which is fascinating. Uh, George Balanchine, famous, very, very famous uh, choreographer, worked with Jerome Robbins in the New York City Ballet, brings this to New York City. And it was, you know... It actually, when you look back at the history of the Nutcracker in the late 1800s, it actually had a very mixed review. And Americans in the late 1800s into the early 1900s didn't really warm to it very well. It was mm. this production that actually really set it in the 50s. And a lot of the original choreo, 
even some of the costume designs, lighting designs, and orchestral movements, everything's pretty standard true to this 1954 original, which is really, really fascinating. I think which kind of brings the Christmas charm and the New York City classic feel here to it. Um, so just be kind of aware of that as we talk through this, but I just wanted to give our listeners a little bit of a backstory. So kind of going into some thought and thoughts here, Jeff, what were your, just your overall thoughts on the Nutcracker as a whole, its plot and its meaning and what it means to society and how people take to it every Christmas season? I feel like, well, I did want to touch on one thing that you just said, because are you saying that in the 1950s, Americans didn't warm up to this? Ballet? I'm saying that I think before the 1954 George Balanchine production that we just saw, Americans weren't as warmed up to this piece. Okay. Even they even say some people in Europe in the late 1800s did criticize this piece. It wasn't like an instant hit for a long time is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, and that kind of does touch on the whole plot and thoughts part here then because with this plot, do you feel like there's a reason why maybe they didn't warm up to it? I don't know why I'm kind of going off topic here in the beginning, but you brought this up. So now I'm like intrigued by it. Um, what What kind of would make that happen well i think you know with there is not too much of a plot right and i wonder right. if that's the critique is that it's a little girl and her family's having this celebration she gets the nutcracker she falls asleep and we go into a dream sequence from the end of act one all of act two at the end of act two she, they fly away and then end of show so i think it's more about the to me the dance and the music are the main pieces here right um, I, I think that, you know, we don't need to get too heavy into like this plot. I think it's more about the feel that you feel, the charm of the Christmas season, the dream sequences, the gorgeous dancing and the gorgeous music. So, yeah, it's not too, too much here to talk about with plot, right? Because it's Right, that's why I'm, I'm kind of plot. like maybe avoiding the question a little bit because there isn't much of a plot for it. Yeah. I mean, you can try to try to create a plot in your head for it, but... You know, I, also, I think that's even a stretch and I don't think it's even necessary because I think it really is about the dance and it is about the this beautiful music that we're listening to that has easily become some of the biggest holiday Christmas music that we still listen to today. I mean, the theme is basically in everything that we listen to that comes from this. So it's great. I mean, if anything, I want to probably talk about more of like the timeline of the show and kind of like. I think it's great to start this with a Christmas party and get to you like in the mood like that this is a holiday show, it's a Christmas show, and what is happening on that stage. I do feel like though where you're getting immersed into this show, it takes a little bit of time. And you're trying it's to figure out what's going on. Right. And I right. and and I feel like why are we doing so much setup in here for something that kind of disappears throughout the rest of the show once she goes into the dream sequence and then the dream sequence is so much of the later part of the show there's not a ton of like well what's the mother and father like you know the godfather that comes and gives her the what's the relationship with all these people i think it's not supposed to be anything more than just we're simply enjoying this nice evening and the kids are having fun i i do know the original story is dark it's very dark the original original story and when you see some of the mice running around and the soldiers and some of this, like, it, um, the, the one kind of moment I was like, whoa, it, it was when she falls asleep and she becomes the size of everything. And because in the it, it, when you're watching it, you're like, whoa, why are these mice so big? And then you realize, like, the tree grows. She becomes smaller. Little Alice in Wonderland-esque. 
And there's this like, now I'm a toy with all these toys in my dream sequence. The tree growing is such a cool thing to me. That's like an iconic oh, yeah. thing in this show is that this tree grows to be as big as it does. And that gets an applause from the audience. And I do think that is a wonderful moment. So, and there's that so is many kind of that. Cool. Right. And some of, some of that to me, it's still like, the little bit of the unexpected like you feel like you know the nutcracker you've seen many productions of the nutcracker since like every ballet does this right now whether it's children's ballet or adult ballet and i mean they're not doing it the way that the new york city ballet does it which is just like effortless i mean some of the best ballet dancers are on that stage in this country or like in the world so that's truly some of the best and what we are seeing is the best of the best. You can, of course, it's amazing to see dance schools supporting this piece and theaters doing this piece all over the world at any level, from elementary to professional. But to see these professionals doing this on this New York stage, I mean, to me, it's creme de la creme. There's nothing better. Of course, there's some European companies that are probably doing it at this level too, um, or anywhere in the world. But I, I do think it's fascinating to see how easy they make it look, right? Which is just like an interesting fun fact, but I don't know about for you, but like I had never seen a production of the New York City, well, any production at the New York City Ballet, but I had never seen this Nutcracker and I've lived in New York my whole life. So shame on my parents for not taking me uh, to the Nutcracker. We, you know, I saw so many Broadway shows growing up, but you know, when it comes to the Met Opera and Lincoln Center and the ballet, yeah, this, these are staple places of New York, right? So it's kind of cool that to be there. And we got to experience this. We got to sit down in the orchestra level, which was wonderful. What was nice and kind of talking, going into music a little bit here, mm-hmm. it was nice to see the orchestra scene. Yeah. In a lot of Broadway shows, they're really buried under the stage. You barely see the conductor and that's about it. This wasn't a fully sunken pit. So maybe about halfway sunken. So you got to see the orchestra playing mostly, you know, and, and to hear it live and to see it with that huge full score played like that. You know, we're t- we talk all the time on this podcast about these orchestra pits being stripped down to a five-piece band, seven-piece band, to see all every instrumentation playing this glorious score. It almost, it really did at times bring a tear to my eye, the music, because it is so stunning to hear the score live, so beautif- beautifully done. And, and then you realize, you know, we're talking about the late 1800s here. Was that that long ago? Not really. I mean, yes, it's over 100 years ago, but we're not mm-hmm. talking about pieces that are... 200, 300, 400 years old. You know, it's only a little over 100 years old. And so you're like, wow, this just was a brilliantly written piece, performs live with this orchestra. To me, the Tchaikovsky music is just stunning. And I think every movement in this is beautiful. We'll be right back. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and... What do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Welcome back. Beautiful. And that brings it to a little bit of, like, at some times, because we were so close... And you could see the orchestra. Well, one, I wonder what other people are watching when you're looking down toward the stage because you have full like bird's eye view of the orchestra. We we didn't have as as much, but you can still see them. So at sometimes I'm like, hmm, do I want to watch what's happening on the stage or do I want to watch what's happening right in front of the stage and below it? Which it was fun to 
make that decision myself. And then it's nice because we talk about the, you know, the experience of going to the, the David Couch Theater and we're seeing we, the lobby is beautiful. Everyone, you know, I always say, do, you know, the, we can talk all we want about like, how do people dress for Broadway shows? How do people dress for the opera? How I, I, We wore, you know, sports coats, blazers. We're like, oh, this is a nice evening. And we made it this like Christmas lovely thing. And they, they play the bells in the lobby when they're getting ready for the next act. And there's a lot of formal applause, the bows, you know, we, you give the orchestra a long applause and everyone's very respectful. You're very quiet during the ballet, right? It, there's an intermission. I also thought from, from an experience standpoint, it was a really nice runtime. I, yeah. I really liked the first act being about a little less than an hour than an intermission and the second act being a little less than an hour. It's like a very healthy, nice runtime. I didn't feel like it was too short. It was too long. It was like a nice two hours. You were, you were there for a solid two hours. It was really nice. Uh, and I really did enjoy that. Right. And I, there's something about Lincoln Center that it's so cool that it's just like in the middle of New York City. I know it's over on the west side, but when you, when you pull up to that just area and you walk into the courtyard of Lincoln Center and you're just like, wow, this is it. And then you see, you know, the beautiful banner of the Nutcrackers there and you see people entering. And like you said, like some people dressed up, some people didn't. It's fine. I know that as immediately when we knew we were going to the show, we said, okay, we have to dress up. And this is like our holiday. Um, this is like our big holiday episode, everyone. Woo-hoo. Yeah, but... I know. We're <laughs> happy to be able to get to a holiday live performance this season for the podcast, for sure. But even just going in, it, it's like you walk in and it's beautiful and you see all of these people and you, and you see the kids that are happy and you see the tourists that are happy because it's like oh, they got to do something in New York City and there's like, it's this or Radio City Rockettes right now. So and, right, basically, yeah. All right. And you go in and like you said, it's like you walk in and there's something I've never been in this theater before. So when you walk into that theater and you see this grand house that you walk into and it's beautiful and it's gaudy and it has this nice like chandelier and immediately we're like, oh, my God, we got to take a picture with the chandelier. Hello. <laughs> right. And and not to mention, then you walk out into the plaza of Lincoln Center Square and it's just like beautiful and the fountains there and it's just New York charm. It's a wonderful feeling to go to that space. And that's that theater where we saw the ballet at is going to be where the Tony Awards are being held in 2024, mm. uh, which is really exciting to see the Tony Awards shift to a new space like Lincoln Center, which is wonderful. I wonder um, if they're going to build out the stage for that at all. Yeah, I don't know. Like how they normally do for the Tonys. I do want to say one thing that is one of my favorite things that happens at the theater and it doesn't always happen. And especially it doesn't really happen at Broadway anymore, but the classic raising of the curtain during bows and closing it. Yeah. I just, that's like one of my favorite things because I feel like that is my theater experience, like up and down and the people are cheering and to know like on the other side of the curtain what's happening on that stage when it is closed and you hear that roar of an applause it's just like it's a great feeling yeah yeah for sure i love yeah. a good old like curtain rise moment i just think yeah. that's like so classic you know and they have that and beautiful talking, gold curtain yeah talking about classic what makes the nutcracker a, cl- a, a classic christmas piece what elements make any show a classic christmas piece in new york city how is it that we have New York City become this like city of Christmas for America. I mean, there's of course others, but like, what about Nutcracker and the ballet and classic Christmas works? Oh, I feel like there's such a long list of what just like makes this work. Other than the fact that like 
a nutcracker is a staple decor item now in most people's homes during sure. the holiday season. So the fact that, like that already is there and in your mind and you're like, oh, let's go see the nutcracker because this is what this piece of wood that's sitting on my fireplace is about, you know, like where were nutcrackers before the nutcracker? Right. And what, right, exactly. Or, or were they as decorative as they are, you know, compared to the holiday season? And I also think there's something about the music of this makes it, the chimes, the bells, the snow scenes, the reindeer at the end and the sleigh, the Christmas tree, the iconic Christmas elements are incorporated into this. And so we were all living that life every day as we're seeing decorations and Christmas shopping and getting ready for the season. And then you see it on stage, you know, and, and right. there are nutcracker elements in the Rockettes. You know, when you see the Radio City Rockettes, they do like the nativity, they do the nutcracker, they do all the classic Christmas moments and that. Um, but there's something, I don't know, I left there with my heart warm from the New York City Ballet, like just watching these amazing people do what they love and what they're so good at, these orchestrations, the people enjoying it. It just lets, it does, I know this is going to sound really corny and cheesy, but it lets you escape the world for a couple hours and just live in this like, warm cozy bubble of just like happiness and live entertainment and skill and talent i yeah. I, I think it's really nice well it is know? one of those major escapism pieces and when you do touch on a lot of the holiday elements that really are in this piece you know it also takes you in that timeline like you said of okay well there is our connection to the christmas tree and it's there and they do a beautiful thing, right? It's probably in the second scene after the when she goes into the dream and they're in the forest and it's like it starts snowing and you're just like, well, first off, whoa, are they about to dance on this snow? I know. It, it fills and is the that stage. safe? Yeah. You know? Yeah. And worry, it snows the whole sure time. And I forget what song plays during that, but it's. It's one of the classics and it just is perfect. There's so many reoccurring themes of music in there. So when you hear yeah. the overture, dun, 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 I'm like, oh, yep, I recognize that. I'm going to da, 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 Like, right, you recognize all of these. Um, dun, 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 And there's no words, right, to a lot of this. So that's why we're like, you know, singing, humming along. But it does just remind you of... Yeah. And there's like Dance of the Sugar Blood Fairy and there's all these moments. And it is, you know, to see a show perform with no lyric and no dialogue and to tell a story through dance and music, that used to happen. It still does. And so it is nice to see an art form that doesn't heavily rely on lyric and line. Of course, lyric and line is so important in story. But for this, it doesn't need it. Didn't need it. It's a classic in that way. You know? I feel like the I feel like there's two parts we can kind of elaborate on in this show now and like go off the rocker here on what you think is actually happening in here because I don't really think there's fully a plot, but it's up to us to interpret what we think is happening. So one, like we come back in for act two. Like what is happening? Where are they in your mind? And like you know, are they the king and queen, the princess and prince? And what are all of these things happening on the stage? Because I know like, and, and like, where do you feel like his idea came from to do this with the music? Um, I feel like that's loaded, but you no, know. I, in, in this time of music history, orchestral pieces and ballet were very popular. 
So mm. you did. You have to realize the art form of musical theater really wasn't. There was opera for vocal, and there was ballet for dance. You know, musical theater was a hybrid of everything, right? We brought so that you had you had plays, you had opera, you had ballet, and you had other forms of movements and pieces. But those were the main forms. What musical theater did in the early 1900s, especially in America, was, well, what if we sing and dance and act all in one piece, right? And so we put that all together. But at the time, there was this story. Let's tell the story with ballet and music. That's, they didn't decide to make it into an opera. They didn't decide to make it into a play with dialogue. They decided to make it into the, this was the art form that was very popular at the time. Uh, and right. so that's kind of how this lived on. Could someone write lyrics to the score? Maybe. Could someone do a play version of this with dialogue or a musical theater? Sure, but then everyone looks at it and is like, but why change this piece that's just working so well? You know? Right, no, could, I'm not saying it. You know? I'm not saying it needs dialogue. Yeah. I'm saying, like, this is our time to kind of say, like, what do you really think is happening in, like, the food section of, because that's what I want to call it. It's well, like, are they real people? Or they're representing are they... different cultures and different, I think, flowers and tea and all these different things. Of right. That, they're they're, they're almost representing, like, elements. Yeah. That are that yeah. are at this party. It's very, like, be our guest. Yeah. And also another thing I think is, you know, we have so much set up in the beginning with mother, father, families, godfather, her, that I always, I almost wonder like, why wasn't there a third act? Kind of like um, when Dorothy goes to the Wizard of Oz and comes back at the end, or like when, um, uh, when, when you have these stories where someone like goes and then comes at the end, they come back. Right. So I'm trying to think like, why didn't she come back from the dream? And we can talk a little bit about the ending here. She flies okay, away with him. She flies away with him on the ranger. I always knew that happened. You didn't know that happened. That's what everyone what we were talking about earlier. We'll be right back. Let's jump back into things. I didn't so she, know that happened because probably the productions that I'm seeing can't produce a maybe reindeer they and have a fly, fly system of flying the reindeer in and out. But um, also when you look at, um, even when you look at Peter Pan and they fly to Neverland, they come back. So I always say to myself, like, where did, so my question is, they fly at the end of Nutcracker, they're flying away, right? Okay. Question number one, where are they going? Hmm, question number two. Do you want two, my answer? <laughs> where, oh, yeah. Tell me, where do you think they're going? Where do you think they're going? They are flying to the North Pole to be Mr. and Mrs. Claus. Oh, what a theory that is. I love that. Okay. Um. I think they're going to one of two places. They're either going home. Okay. And she's going to then just wake up and then that's the dream. So maybe that's why they didn't really end it with that. Or she's going to live her life with him. And I Where? think there was, I don't know, maybe a tropical island. <laughs> maybe somewhere very different from where they were. I don't know. But Could you I imagine... A reindeer and a sleigh flying to a tropical island to drop <laughs> off some like ten year old girl and her godfather's nephew or the Nutcracker Prince. The Nutcracker Prince. But then I also think to myself, you know, Tchaikovsky um, wrote this and died a few years after. I think he died in the late eighteen hundreds. Maybe he could have written a, a sequel to it. It's almost like when Nora leaves Doll's House and leaves, and that's why we had a Doll's House Part Two on Broadway. Because where did she go? 
what happened? Well, you know, I always think when plays end, I'm like, wait, what next? It allows I, you to say. Idea. Yeah. Idea. Idea. The Nutcracker part two could be her and the Nutcracker in another dream sequence. Maybe there's a play or a music. I don't know. I'm sure. I'm sure I can't be the first one to be bringing this up. Someone must have been somewhere like saying, where do they go? I yeah, really. But it was, it, it's no, it is an interesting thing because after I was like, I didn't realize it was going to be done. And you were like, it's over. And I'm like, where did they go? Yeah. But, you know, when you look at this piece as a whole, I want to ask you, why does this continue to come back? We always say some people watch the same Christmas movies every year or holiday movies. We, we listen to the same songs every year. There's such a tradition, capital T, tradition with Christmas. Why this? Why the Nutcracker at the New York City Ballet every year? Some people go every year, get the same seat on the same day. Some people really treat it like that. So what are your thoughts? I think what this piece does is that it knows how to create its own traditions outside of just going to see the piece. And because it figured that out and it, it injected itself into other areas of Christmas and the holidays for people that that's why it continues to live on. So when the holidays roll around and we have our New York staples, people that come to New York, they want to see these classic pieces. And I don't think we really have had another like holiday classic besides really the Rockettes at Radio City and the Nutcracker at the New York City Ballet. Because everything else is like, go to see the Christmas tree, go ice skating at Bryant Park or at Rockefeller and, you know, and, and see the Macy's windows. And then, you, of course, you have like Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol, which comes around every once in a while in a musical or play. Yeah, but that doesn't, that's not piece, here every year. Right. You and know. I also think this piece, what this piece does really well, you know, I just, I just sat and immersed myself in it. There is right. Christmas written all over this, right? So you sit there and you just see the beauty, the charm, the warmth, the happiness. We, we're dealing with so many crazy things in the world right now that I think there is an escapism here to a different time period with just beautiful, beautiful choreography, the orchestrations, and just the Christmas cheer. People leave there so happy, feeling good. I think that's why it works so well. And it's, a, and it's traditionally done art form. Ballet, you know, my male people may not see a lot of ballet, but they'll see the Nutcracker. Yeah. Or how many children start dancing with ballet and do the Nutcracker every year? It's part of their childhood. So you I know, think that's... There's know. another big thing that I also feel like they kind of touch on is just the whole word around dream and what happens to us when we do dream and when do we dream. And I do think that there's something about going to sleep on Christmas Eve and you being so excited for the next day that you would have a dream like the Nutcracker and yeah. be taken into this other world because you're not going into your full deep sleep. So you are dreaming and you are remembering this, you know, so many moments of the party are reflected into what she's dreaming about that it makes sense. You know? And of course, child, children will dream about their toys, about candy, right. about the snow, mice. you know, yeah, like, and so that's what a child would dream about. And it kind of brings us back to what we were all children and what we felt as children, right. the things we would get so excited. And that's why I say that, because when you look at the, you know, the cover of this playbill, it shows you like, it. this is like the dream for her. So, yeah. And, and the Nutcracker helped her live through those dreams. So, you know, yeah. 
Wow. Oh my gosh, we're out of time. There's the bells. Uh, let's give our quick one through three thoughts on the Nutcracker at the New York City Ballet. Go. This is the perfect show to see during the holiday season in New York City. It has every little bit of ounce of Christmas or holidays with whatever you celebrate. And it's just nice. It's a nice show to really immerse yourself into and watch some really amazing talent on and off that stage because it's just great. I I mostly, I agree with everything you said and I'll just add on, thank you for employing hundreds of artists at this time to do really challenging things and let them perform their craft on their instrument or in their body as a dancer. They make it all look so easy. And I want to remind everyone, I am, I, I, I am just blown away by how easy it looks. And it is not. And it is, not, I'm looking up there, I'm like, these women's and men's bodies with their muscles and their way they're, and they're smiling and the instrumentalists moving their bows on their violins and playing their instruments. I'm just blown away by how easy they make it look. And they make it look so easy because they've spent their whole life working towards that. To get yeah. into that pit and to get onto that stage is very, 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 very difficult. Kudos to every, and every stagehand backstage and every producer yeah. and every little child backstage learning to be up there with the pros. It is phenomenal. It is phenomenal. Yeah. And I love seeing the different cultures come together in the second act too. And I just think it's a wonderful piece. And I think uh, everyone should see it and see it multiple times. I would totally go back. I would totally go back. Why wouldn't yeah. you? It's also something really cool about the ballet that you watch those kids up on that stage and you say to yourselves, they might be in the principal dance role one day and yeah. they're watching that happen. And I also think that that's why the story works a little bit even more because you could say to yourself, oh, she's dreaming of herself as that older ballerina on sure. the stage. And is that them in the future? Yeah. You know, yeah. just watching that. And it's like, that's why I think like there's something about you know, performers that go into ballet and watch them, you know, I would love to know like the statistic on like how many of those kids continue on and then they make it to that role. Sure. There's gotta be you know? stories. Oh yeah, for sure. Well, that now does I wrap want, up our now, uh, episode. I was gonna say, now I want to interview someone from the ballet. Oh <laughs> uh, yes, we could. We should look at that for sure. <laughs> but yes, that does wrap up our episode for today. We hope you enjoyed our deep dive into George Balanchine's The Nutcracker at the New York City Ballet. Yes, and don't forget, we want to hear from you. Continue the conversation with us on Instagram and TikTok at Half Hour Podcast. Let us know your thoughts on The Nutcracker. And if you enjoyed our show, please leave us a review. Your feedback helps us bring more theater and Broadway and New York City theater to you. Remember, you can listen to past episodes. Stay tuned for upcoming ones as well. We, this is the holiday season. We've got a lot of Broadway shows now. There's some more coming in the winter and certainly in the spring. So make sure you're tuned. Yes, so happy holidays, everyone. Until happy next holidays. time. Yes, I'm Jeff. And I'm Richie saying ta-ta for now. Bye. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now 
and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org, because only together we rise.